I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome along to the VMTV Rugby Pod. Great to be back as always. First time for everything. We have Matt Williams and Alan Quinn in studio together. What a day it is for the pod, Alan, eh? It's great to have his lordship in with us, yeah. And uh, who will he upset this week is the question. We can, uh, we're can we up close and personal now, so he'll, uh, he'll, he'll rock the boat with someone, no doubt. What do you reckon, Matt? Feel comfortable in here? Mate, very impressive studio. You blokes, you, I didn't realise how easy you get. Nice cups of coffee, everything, you know. I'm, doing it tough over in the other places well we better start with last night's action men Uruguay against France what a fight they put in and let listen to their captain now how did you see it was the scoreline reflective uh, I'm so proud of my team I couldn't ask for a better team to lead that's the truth uh, today 10 minutes away from the game we were fighting against France, one of the best teams in the world, playing on their home ground. So I'm very proud. This is only the beginning for us. So many positives. What did you think the team did really well tonight specifically? I think uh, we fought for the whole for the whole game. That was key for us to keep keep pushing France and keep battling every every aspect of the game. Oh, it's amazing. This is my son. My wife is on the stands, my whole family, most of the families of the team. So I'm really proud of them. Uh, they deserve the best. Congratulations on a great performance tonight. Thank you very much. Thank you, all the crowd. Andres Villaseca there. Alan, emotional scenes, but like they did so well. They actually disallowed tries there and they really upset France and like massive for tier two nations to show what they're all about and professionalism over the last couple of years really showing through there yeah the, obviously the tier two nations are on the back foot and there's been there's always some results that are kind of alarming and worrying um anyone who loves rugby and is in in, in you know involved in rugby in any capacity throughout the world would love to see the tier two nations getting stronger there's a certain amount of support they've got um there's still plenty of issues um, as regards the, the support that they need um, and Uruguay for me were a reminder of, of what's possible if they get properly funded um, the big challenge here is you know you can throw a pile of money at them and it helps the resources and it helps the the short-term stuff but it's it's the um, it's the structures within those countries and we saw the Argentinians when they were the Jaguars is it or Jaguars they call them you know all their players staying at home and 
that's kind of gone now and there, a lot of the Argentinians are back around Europe again playing so there's I'm sure there's many good Uruguayan players there available um, a lot of them playing in, in the American League uh, but it's still a level below what you know our European players play or super rugby and stuff like that so there's many challenges for them but one of my best memories at a World Cup was was you know obviously I had some as a player but been in Japan in 2019 in Kamaishi where the the, the um, where they were devastated by uh, the tsunami that happened and it was wiped out a lot of the northern coast of Japan was wiped out from that tsunami uh, the whole town was was destroyed um, many people died in that and they rebuilt it for for I think it was 2011 or 12 when it happened and they rebuilt it for I rebuilt a stadium there in the, in the town and Uruguay played Fiji there and I was there with uh, Miles Harrison doing the commentary and we were kind of sent off on this road trip, got the bullet train up there in a couple of days in the middle of nowhere and, and we go there to this ground, we, we end up going to a museum seeing all the names of the people who died and the history of what happened and the effect of it and you see this massive big wall that's built to prevent it happening again mm. um, and Uruguay that day beat Fiji. Uh, the, it was it was just incredible. I remember just going, "Wow, this is just amazing!" One of the the best sporting events I've ever been at for emotion and joy. And and Fiji were probably terrible and really furious in the day, um, but it was amazing. And it kind of reminded me a little bit of that last night, what they're capable of, and that's the beauty. And we all love to see that. We love to see the underdog do well, and um, hopefully we can see more of that in the tournament. We probably won't get to the point of of a real underdog beating a, t a tier two nation, beating a tier, a tier one nation. But hopefully in the future it can happen, you know, 2027 in Australia, we might see them stronger. And that has to be the goal. You know, there's going to be a global league come into play for tier one. Some frustration and disappointment from the tier two nations that they're going to be left behind and the gap is even going to get bigger. But it would be lovely to see that. It's still multifaceted and many issues and challenges you have. But just look at the Pacific nations and um, the ability for them to play in Super Rugby and and that's been massive for them and we'll probably talk about Japan in a minute and they've gone out of Super Rugby and there's been a noticeable drop off. So one of the key parts of improving Tier 2 nations is playing quality matches, yeah, for sure. giving them that avenue to play quality matches and then obviously the structures. You can't just invent a professional league in Uruguay and say well that's going to solve everything in South America but I think they need to try and improve all the South American teams, create some sort of a a pathway that's that's obviously financial, financially viable that guys can give up their jobs and work and train because obviously the goal is to get more more of these guys as full-time professionals. Matt, you were in studio last night and just a last uh, point on Uruguay. What impressed you most about them other than the fight and the courageous stuff, you know? Pretty skillful at times as well. They had a lot of sevens players, Stu. Uh, so their passing and their linking and their their support play was very, very good. Um, I, I think we forget um, what even the small amounts of professionalism. So as, as Alan said, the MLR, the American League, a lot of South American players are playing in that league. There is a, a, another minor competition across South America, very, very small, sort of Argentinian second team, some, a Chilean team, uh, 
Uruguayan. There's a, they're, they're, I think there's a Brazilian team in it. Paraguay, Uruguay, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. And they play, but they're not not a lot of games. You know, maybe six, seven, eight games. But even just that bit where where they they might have three, four months. So that if you play MLR, for example, you're contracted from uh, December to August, roughly. Or, you know, it'll change next year. Their competition's going to go March till September. So it's basically going to be 1st of January to September. So even that period of time, if, over a few years, your skills come up because you're dealing with it every day. Your, your S&C comes up, your strength and conditioning, all that sort of stuff. So they had that. They matched France, which I thought they'd get blown apart. Now, they didn't match them everywhere. The scrum was a problem. But their, their attacking play, to give you a great example, they had a theory on the French defence, which was... They put a blocker through, so the, the 10 gets the ball, outside centre runs close to him, and he goes behind to the 12. Okay, it doesn't hit him on the 12. First time they ran it, the 13 that's running close to him hit Vincent, the, the French defender, and that's why the try was disallowed. But it worked, because they scored the try. If he hadn't hit him, they would have, uh, the try would have worked. They then go down the other end, the third, and they had the sense to play the same play, but this time the 13 didn't hit him, and they score. So they had a real tactic the wide kick across the first try. Beautiful kick too, landed on a 10 cent piece because there wasn't a lot of space there behind Jaminet and they landed it and they scored. So they had really good tactics and they they implemented them. Now it's certain aspects of the game, as, as Alan rightly said, they were behind. But, you know, the other thing that, that really impressed me, we get a, we're here, we're talking about it every week, we watch the, the big guys play every week. That was the biggest day in their lives, a lot of those players. And they rose. And I said on TV last night, we, we know there's a test match, there's a test match. What's it's a test of? Yeah, it's a test of skill, test of courage, test of, of organisation, test of a lot of things. But ultimately, it's the individual testing themselves. You get a chance to walk on the big stage and prove to yourself, I can do this. And that, uh, I, I agree with Alan. It was really inspirational. They, they can look at themselves in the mirror and say, you know, I was good enough. Uh, and, and, that's a bit, and you can hear it in their captain's voice, who I thought was the best... Uh, Best Uruguayan player on the field. He had a, he had a fantastic game, but but the, this the pool stage as I always say, Stewie, it's a festival. It's what we get to see. We get to see who's seen Uruguay play in the last four years. Not me. I haven't seen a second of them. Didn't know any of those players. Read a bit about them, but we get this festival. Where all of a sudden, we get to see these guys. Now a lot of those guys will get offered contracts in Europe. Maybe the second. Some of them played Pro Deux, the French second division before. This is their chance to showcase themselves. There's a lot of good athletes playing rugby around the world that we don't get to see. And Alan's dead right. They need competition. Imagine if Uruguay got to play 10 tests every year, like, like our guys do out of, out of um, World Cup year. Their standard would jump. You know? And if two or three of them are against, uh, obviously against second-tier teams, so it's an even competition, but then they get a chance to test themselves against, against Italy, against Scotland, against Wales, against Ireland, the, the standard would jump up. So Alan's really right. We need, we need the resources into these teams in the form of competitions. As you were speaking there, the shots of the players and the fans and the flags. Oh, it's great. Unbelievable. Tears all over their yeah, eyes. The yeah, the one bloke coming up with his parents. You can see his shoulders. I think it's a prop, one of the big props. And you can see his shoulders going up and down because he's howling like a kid, you know. There's his dad and mum who probably took him to the games and when he was a kid and got him into the sport. And here he is in this stadium in front of 60,000 people and they've got their heads held high. They didn't get walloped, you know. It's, 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 it's a sports story. It's, it's a great sports story. It certainly is. I'll bring it back to closer to home tomorrow night. Ireland against Tonga. We've seen the Ireland team. It'll come up in the screen here shortly. He's gone pretty much full strength there. You know, a couple, you know, without maybe Gibson Park and um, Dan Shane. But look at that team, Alan. What do you make of it? Would you have gone so strong? But it's a real statement of intent. 
I wasn't sure, and we both probably, both Matt and I and lots of other people have been debating this for two weeks, what way do you go in the first two games? Um, I think he's made a real statement here as regards the gloves are off, there's no more molly coddling, uh, they're going for it. He's looking for his players to be battle-hardened um, ahead of the South African Scotland game. Is there risks with it? Yeah, obviously there is, there's always a risk. Um, but I think these players need matches as well. And I think if you're going to win a World Cup, you need to be top of your game. You need to be sharp. You need to have games under your belt. And the vast majority of these players have probably two games under their belt. They've had a brilliant pre-season. They're going to be in peak condition. They need rugby, you know. And so sometimes the argument is, yeah, protect cotton wool, all that kind of stuff. But we have it a lot in November when, and when we go south, you know, you're at a position in the end of your season where you are battle-hardened and you've loads of rugby played and all that cohesion is at a high level. And that's what he's looking for here. So um, raised a few eyebrows. I thought it'd be kind of 50-50, but I can see what he's doing. And, and all these players need matches and there's no point in sending them into South Africa next week thinking, well, Romania was great and we got a run out there. The intensity levels are going to go much higher. So... Um, getting a strong physical big challenge against a very strong Tongan side um, who all their players are, are playing at a very high level you know some of them are playing in Japan a lot of them across Europe uh, good few of them playing with Moana Pacifica as well in, in Super Rugby so um, there's no slouches here there's no kind of walk over here and I think you know he was there firsthand in 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 Jap for that Japan game in, in uh, the last World Cup and um He's taking no chances. And you know what? <clears throat> He's earned the right to kind of be backed for his decisions. And, and he just gives you the opinion that Andy Farrell, that look, he doesn't kind of um, overanalyze the kind of possible negative outcomes. He's looking for positive outcomes and he's a very positive guy if you meet him. Um, and of course, some coaches would have done things differently here and probably um, picked a different side, but he wants momentum. And he's given the, 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 the Tonga the respect that they deserve because this is a very, very dangerous game. In 2011, they beat France at the World Cup. They went really close in 2019. So that capability is in this Tongan side. And you know, the unthinkable, you pick a half a side and there's a sizable difference between the starting 15 for Ireland and the next group in line. And that's not being disrespectful. The starting 15, we've six, seven world-class players in there and a number of others who you could argue, if there's a British and Irish Lions team picked now or even before the World Cup, there'd be eight, ten of this, these guys easily in the squad and probably seven or eight of them with a real legitimate argument to start. It doesn't count for anything when you, you kind of, uh, if you don't perform at the World Cup and that's the challenge for them. So... I have no issue with that. If I was a player, I'd be chomping at the bit to go again. It's not like 2007 where Eddie, after the first game against Namibia, we won 34-17. The plan was to try and have everyone played um, the 30 players' involvement in the first two games. You know, he, Namibia was poor. It was There was something missing, a bit of spark. Um, and then Georgia, right, they go again then with the same team the strongest, perceived strongest team and Georgia nearly beat us. So his back is against the wall then. 
what do you do for France a week after? You've got to kind of all these guys have got to play again, and then similar stuff happened against Argentina. We're out of the group. Um, there's always a risk of like there'll be Jack Conan, Dan Sheehan, Stuart McCluskey, and Jimmy O'Brien are the four players who who have not had an involvement yet. I think with Sheehan, Conan, and Jimmy O'Brien. Those three, you could slot them straight in against South Africa. They're at that level. Stuart McCluskey, with respect to him, is not a guaranteed starter with Aki, Ringrose and Henshaw. So it, you'd love to be in a situation, I don't know what you think, Matt, after two rounds of World Cup and have all your players got game time. This confidence <coughs> thing and everyone feels part of it. But I just think Andy Farrell has done a job in the last few years where he's given loads of people chances. He's a good team morale. And now it's time to just say, right, um, it's time to step it up a gear and, and the sentiment is going out of this and I think he's done that with the selection so I think it's a strong side really strong side and I still think I I think when I think thought about this more they need more games you you know sometimes like thought back to November 2022 when they play South Africa and they haven't played since New Zealand and we of course we can step up and play these games but I think they'll be in a better position next week the risk is that someone get injured and of course if we lose the game and we get an injury or two next week against South Africa going into it and there's one or two players out everyone will say well wrong thing to do but for me it feels right Matt respect Tonga respect the competition but most importantly respect themselves is what Andy Farrell said this week am I right in saying you have a slightly different view though you would have expected a few more changes well, Stewie, I would uh, really agree with Alan. Andy Farrell has done a phenomenal job with this team in, in two, the last two years, since November 21. Phenomenal. And I, I agree with Alan. He's earned our respect to make the selection he, he has made. So I'm not questioning Andy in that way. I, I, he's earned my respect too. You know, I, I deeply respect what he's done, how that team plays and how he's managed it. And I know those guys are telling the truth and they say they're very happy in that, that group. He deserves all that credit. The, the, the counter argument, and this isn't a criticism of Andy, it's an observation. Because we'll, it, it's the beauty of sitting where we're sitting, Quinny, and not being the coach or the players. You know, it's only in hindsight we'll know if Andy's right. Now, if we look at his... If, if we come back a bit say, what's the purpose of Ireland at this World Cup? They can win this World Cup. I think we all agree... There's no guarantees, but they can. So if we work back, final, semi-final, quarter-final, Scotland, South Africa, here we are, Tonga. So this team, the way that's picked, that's their best team, I agree, minus a couple of players moving in and out. And everything Alan has said is accurate. What he is saying is they have to play one, two, three, four, five, six. They have to play a six nations, plus one, and win every game with one week off between South Africa and Scotland. That is a very, very big ask for, for one group of players, especially knowing that our front rowers have to, will have to go deep. Our props, like as they've done, will have to go deep into every game in minutes, 65, 70 minutes. That's what they usually do. Well, if I could jump in for one second. I don't think, I think these guys will come off 50, 60 minutes, 45, 50 minutes tomorrow. That That's the plan. And plus the week off. Yeah. And look, it is risky and it's very relevant what you're saying. And everyone has an opinion on this and I, I wouldn't be critical of anyone because 
you know, it's, it'll be easy for people to say, well, this was right or that was wrong. And in hindsight, I think after this has been based on how stressed they were last week as yeah. well. I yeah. think they would have looked at some of the data, the recovery time. Ireland had no sustained period last week of defending yeah. for a long period. And you know yourself as a coach, that's what's, or as a player, you're hanging on, you're making tackles, you're getting back up. It really takes it out for you as, as, opposed, as opposed to being on the front foot for the ball. Sometimes when you're on the front foot for the ball, you're actually getting fitter and sharper and you're stepping. Defending is what really takes it out of you when you get the knock. They, so I think it's probably based on a little bit of the data last That's week. For sure, Quinny. And probably asking players, how did you feel? Yeah. And, you know, but I do, You, you, your point is relevant. Yeah. The, the, the thing here is, I don't you know what, I just think he's saying, I think he's actually saying, Matt, I'm not looking at a semi-final or a final, I, or even a quarter-final. I'm looking at topping this group yeah. and then seeing where we're at. And, and I agree. Alan, but I'm, I, yeah, it could I'm, I'm not disagreeing with anything you're saying, mate. I'm not trying to just be. We could be given out. Wouldn't it be a great complaint if we were given out that Ireland were beaten and you know yeah. got to a final yeah. and oh god, look, they were unlucky. They were a bit tired and then yeah, that's it, my. Point. I'd rather be doing that. So, so, so if you work backwards yeah, against Romania, maybe that was the error. Should he have played his second team against Romania? Possibly. And then you bring this group in now, because then when you put the remaining game in, that was my last point. It's actually seven games in a row. Now, if we look at the opposition, are France doing that? No. What happened last night? They didn't play well, for sure. Are the, are the New Zealanders going to do it? No. Are the South Africans going to do it? No, they've picked a very different team and they've lost Malcolm Marks at training. So the opposition aren't doing what Andy's done. And I'm not... I'm, this isn't a criticism. This is an observation. I was surprised at the selection, but I can see why he's done it. And I agree with you, Quinny. He's just saying, let's top the pool. But... There needs to be strategy. To win a World Cup, you need some selection strategy. So if we go back, you know, this, this is where you get old blokes on the show. I can remember a few things. My generation, like when, we, when Australia won the 91 World Cup, that was my generation of players. And so I knew those guys. And against Samoa, in a pool game, they didn't pick their best team. And they had Nick Farr-Jones on the field, who was our captain, Nick hurt his knee. And I think it was... Someone in the records will correct me. It was a two-point game. I think it was 13-12, 13-11, something like that. They just got home. It was in the rain at Pontypool. And everyone's going, oh, my God, we're going to get... They're going to knock us out of the World Cup. Now, they didn't. And Australia went on to win that World Cup just by a few, a whole lot of things. So there's a, there is history, and you go back to the other t teams that win it. Somewhere they have rested aside. So I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just giving you an observation of what could be wrong. Now, again, let's come back. Andy Farrell has got things right, very, very right, often over two years. One, one game's in New Zealand, all the things Andy's done. So he has earned our respect and us to support him on that, and I'm doing that. I'm just pointing out what a counter-argument could be. And you know when we'll know? If we're popping champagne corks on the 28th of October, we're going, great decision, mate. But, it, 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 you know, it, I, I think, Quinny, what we spoke about, I think he's looking at the quarterfinals because that's going to be it. If you can get that quarter, if you can win that quarterfinal and topping your pool gets it, that's going to set it up. So maybe that's the strategy. I think it has risks, like you said, but I'm not going to argue against it. Cause but but it, my, my, my counterpoint to the mini uh, kind of a Six Nations yeah. job, because they have two breaks in the Six Nations. Remember, yeah. they play two, that's one week right. off, play two, uh, play one, yeah. then another week off. Yeah. They have three. That's yeah. right. 
Is it two breaks or three breaks? No, two, 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 two break, breaks. One, Play two, two yeah. one, yeah. break two. Yeah. There's a following. Yeah. I, I just think, honestly, um, even if they're going for seven weeks, they can take the rest of their lives off. <laughs> yeah, I know. Do you know what I mean? And I know. and like sometimes I know we're talking about player welfare and all that, and and yeah, again, I'm very open to being uh, challenged on this. If you have a bang or a knock or a sore neck or a tweak in the calf and or a sore ankle, yes, you're gone. You're not even in the question mark for this this situation. But I think the thinking the thinking behind this is Romania didn't stress them at all, um, so they're nearly kind of in some sense we didn't, you know. And there was a lot of changes very quickly in the second half, so most of the players have only played 45, 50 minutes, and plus. It's all about this getting to a point yeah. where they're so comfortable and they're, they're back at that level where they're just so cohesive, their movement, their shape, the fatigue has been shaken out and that they're they're just, they're getting into shape quicker because the way Ireland, if they're going to be successful this World Cup is, is, that, is that structure, that attack, that shape, that front runner being an option, that back runner being an option, that lateral pass being an option every time. And that's what we we're talking about. And sometimes you have to just replicate that in, you can do it all you want in training. So of course it's a risk. And if we, you know, if we, if someone gets a bang or a knock and we're missing for South Africa next week and we lose that game because we're down a couple of bodies, yeah, it'll come, it'll come up definitely. But you know what? I think just go for it now. It's just, just get, get to a point where you're trying to win these games and see what happens. There's a number of things can happen here with the with the the 16 to 23 or even 16 to 33. There's a number of players yeah. I think there that you can slot in there that can not be exactly like for like, but can be 90% like for like. If you know what I mean, they're not like the we know the first 15. Gibson Park goes in for Conor Murray and Sheehan goes in for Keller. You're looking at a team there that is so balanced. Oh, yeah. Credible footballers no in there. Arguments. No arguments. But, and if you have to, if one or two have to be plucked out of that and you're down to 12 of those guys and three others coming in, I still, I don't think the level drops significantly. If you put six, seven, eight in there, I think the level drops a bit. Uh, still very good players and very good side. So I think that's what he's basing on and being ready. Um, respecting this one because I genuinely think Tonga will cause Ireland problems tomorrow night. No matter what team we've out, they're going to cause Ireland problems. They're going to have to be on the money defensively. They're going to have to work incredibly hard. They're not going to be running through like they were last week and Tongan guys jumping out of the line. They're going to have to work. Work these guys, you know. Tamafuna, Pidaki, Malakai Fagatoa. These boys are good players. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they have to be careful. And there's plenty others on there in the 23, which I haven't even mentioned. Vai Fafita, what a player. He's playing the Scarlets. I think he's 11 caps for the All Blacks. He's a quality player. Um, Pulu, the, the scrum half, he's playing in Japan now, capped twice for, for, for New Zealand as well. Um, there's a lot of players. Sam Lucy, incredibly abrasive, athletic. He plays with the Scarlets as well. So, and Avili, the, the old half, from he plays with Moana Pacifica in, in, in Super Rugby. Serious threats outside with Aki Fekitao, the boat wingers. Um, they're very, very dangerous team. The thing you get with, with Samoa is you want to try and stress them. Tonga. Or Tonga, sorry, my apologies. You want to try and stress them and 
physically you've got to be up for the challenge as well so because they're going to be very aggressive and strong and powerful and they're not going to fall away off the tackles but you've got to stress them and and do the basics very well you know work your set piece particularly line out scrum and not not kick loosely and stuff like because if you kick up the field and say Pieto in their mindset you know they're not winning a world cup but they want to scalp and what better scalp would it be for Ireland they're going to be chomping at the bit fresh as daisies ready to go here didn't have the best pre-season they played eight games they lost the first six of them um mix and match between playing Fiji and Samoa uh, but they lost all those games and then they get up and they have a double header in the last couple of weeks against Canada so it's hard to judge them there but if you put these guys together and if they've got their shape and their organisation and their attitude and fitness right they're going to be a handful um, and I think it's a good t- I always hear Andy Farrell saying he wants to challenge these players so he's going to put a lot of pressure on them you're getting a start here you're the the main guys, prove it, show me tomorrow night. Um, and, you know, hopefully that's what will happen. But it's not going to be a cakewalk here. This is going to be a hard-earned victory. And if they get anywhere near, you know, a bonus point scenario, that that is a bonus. But they've got to get a job done here and hopefully, you know, get a clean bill of health as well. Because I think if they can get off the field with a good kind of, not a perfect win, because we, I'm sure there's still stuff being held back a little bit attack-wise, but if they can get a good win and get pretty stressed themselves at times and even have periods of time where they're hanging on, that's what I'm going to be looking for, the moments where they're hanging on and Tonga are really attacking them. Who's keeping the shape here? You know, who's backing up their support player with a double tackle? Who's counter-rucking in that wide-out ruck that's, you know, they've on the back of 10 phases that Tonga have had? Stuff like that, so it's um, it's an intriguing game, but it's going to be a tough game for them. And that's exactly what Ireland need, though, Quinny, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. That's exactly what they they like need a bit of a battering yeah, here, in, yeah, in a we, sense. We don't want 50 nil. Like, that doesn't do It won't either. happen, Matt, I yeah, don't no, think. No, it won't. It won't. But that's, and I just sort of everyone out there to drop their expectations to say, look, we, we want to, if you came out, you know, if it's 25 15, I think that's exactly what Ireland need. It was something that really, as you say, tests them. So, and, and I think. The, the if last night with the France the France Uruguay game the French everyone was thinking France going to do them by sixty I was and I, halfway through the game I thought you know God, I've fallen into that old trap you can never do that you've got to go out and say we've got to earn this and France didn't earn it and they paid a price now they still won the game because their their class finally came through but I, I think for all the Irish supporters out there don't think sixty nil don't don't get that because that's that's you're going to judge your team wrongly. Think this is going to be a battle, and and if they get the win, that's great. If they get a bonus point, fantastic. But just just get the win first. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The last point on this Tongan team, Matt, 
you know, the story with Toto Kafu, mm. what happened to him, with his family and the harrowing scenes there a couple of years ago. Great to see him back fit and recovery, but what a turnaround he's made himself, yeah. but also in the Tongan team and how much they've improved. Yeah, I don't know if you... you Toto Kafu is a great Wallaby number eight. Uh, obviously, Tongan family. Um, and Toto and his family were victims of a home invasion in Brisbane. And... Um, you know, it's it's a terrible story. The rugby community in Brisbane and Australia really got behind him, but his family were attacked with machetes. Um, you know, and they they were injured. I won't go into it. You know, it was, it was a horrific story, and Todd showed great, like you would expect, great courage in, in in that situation, protecting his family. He has come back from that, and I think he's a great person. He's an inspirational guy and a lovely man. I coached against Todd for many years. Really, really, really nice guy. The Tongan team at the time went to New Zealand to play New Zealand, play the you know the greatest team in the world. They were put in a high school, in a dormitory in a high school. They were training on, and I know this because a friend of mine was was in the coaching staff and time. He's no longer there, and so I can say this without him getting in any trouble. They had literally four days preparation before they play New Zealand, and. That the defensive coach had literally minutes in in an input and putting organisation. What happens? Tonga get beaten by 100 points by New Zealand. It was humiliating for Tonga. That's why they have come back here. The, the, and if we give the the uh, World Rugby some credit, like Alan said, Alan listed off the names of the guys who had played uh, Tongan uh, ancestry or Tongan-born players who had played a couple of games for the Wallabies or or the or the New Zealanders. And this decision to say, well, if you haven't played for that country for three years, you can go back to the country of your, that you're from the diaspora or you're born in or your parents or grandparents. I think is a fabulous decision, not just for those individual players, but for those countries to get their players back. Because quite often, and, and to, the, to the great disgrace of the tier one teams, they'll give a cap to some of these guys to wipe them out. I know England used to do it to people in the Irish diaspora in the old days when Quinny was, and I were involved with Ireland A. Uh, there's a couple of guys we'd know very well that were playing at London Irish, Irish grandparents, and they played one cap for Ireland A, uh, England A, to wipe them out from selection from Ireland. That's how, that's how cyn- uh, cynical it is at certain levels. Now these guys are all coming back, and Tonga, as Alan said, their their results were really poor at the beginning, but after spending some time together, they've got they've got the the uh, support of World Rugby at the World Cup where they've got more time together. Their performances have lifted. And uh, I think they'll be a very um, inspired team. Inspired. Team. I think Ireland will win, but I, I, I think they'll they will go out and play with great inspiration for their jersey and their nation. I, I think that's an, it's another really good story. Another really good story of how people overcome adversity. And Todd I himself overcoming you know a, a, a horrific story to be quite honest with you. Um, you know, at the, at the, I'll never forget the time I got a phone call and you just you just couldn't believe what you were hearing it was like something from a movie and um, you know the fact that he's he's done what he's done I think is an in- I know is an inspiration to his team he certainly is I'm wrapping up the Ireland chat obvious to say a good day for Ireland bonus point when there are tax clicking and no injuries yeah I think so but I, I'd, I'd like to see him being put under a bit of pressure as well because um, you can get a bit of a false dawn when you're on the front foot a lot it's going to be much different next week against South Africa. Um, they're going to be tested a lot. I believe they'll be tested a fair bit tomorrow because these guys are very powerful and strong. Aki Fekito, if they get enough of ball in the centres, they're going to, 
you know, step you, run out over you, try, you know, strong back row as well, very physical. So, um, yeah, I'd like to see Ireland being, being stressed a little bit and, and see how they cope with that. Obviously, you want to keep your discipline right and, um, you know, that's a sign of calmness under pressure and I think this side of their penalty count has been very low for a long time and uh, I think the stats will show that if your discipline is good in matches and, you know, it helps you usually on the right side of it or very close to the right side of results in tight games. So um, that's really important. I think um, the word cohesion is used a lot and I think... I go back to me as a player. You just the more games you play, the better it gets. The more zip and spark you get, that more battle hardened you get. So they need that. Um, I think our two props, our two players, that we will need them so much against South Africa next week in Porter and Furlong. They're up at Dan Brackett. I think Furlong has been top of his game for a long, long time, and we probably uh, haven't had to see him been the standout player in matches because there's so many individuals and, and so many more ball carriers in the group. Um, you usually see Josh van der Fleer, Caelan Doris getting player to game, player to matches. Um, but I think they need games and um, Ronan Keller obviously need games. He's very little played. Would I have an issue with Ronan Keller starting next week? No, not in the slightest. He's a wonderful player. And in fact, a year and a half ago, he was ahead of Dan Sheehan yeah. and he was your number one. That's right. Gatlin rated him so highly to bring him in at Lions Tour as well. I know he brought him his cover. For me, he should have been in there because and possibly putting on the boots for, for those test matches. So he's he's a brilliant player. I just hope he gets a run of games. I think he's he's very similar to the Malcolm Marks yeah. type yeah. profile of that unbelievably powerful upper body strength. Great man for turnovers, breakdown. Um, so he's really important. So, yeah, I think it's... Look, you just never know, Stuart. Sometimes I think, God, we need this, we need that. You need to win the game. You need to dust yourself down. The level, the build-up, it's just going to be so different next week. You can't lose your focus on that. And so it's never a bad thing. Like people sometimes... I even thought the Samoa game was the best thing that that group of players at the time needed horrendous conditions so you cannot play your nice brand of attacking rugby you've got to dig in roll up the sleeves and some of those wins and memory of my career are some of the most satisfying that you'll ever get they were challenged things going wrong in a game how can you problem solve that the lineup went pear-shaped at times so um yeah ideally you'd love a nice performance but um next week is just going to be <laughs> It's going to be a, a, a brilliant thing. Uh, it's going to be a great week. South Africa, for me, are the team to beat. I've said that a, a, a few times at the World Cup. It'd be lovely if we were playing South Africa for a second time in the latter parts of this tournament. That'd be a great situation to be in. So um, you, you want to top the group. Um, with France beating New Zealand last Friday, we you know, that scenario of oh, who would we prefer. You just win your matches as best you can. And if you don't beat South Africa, you, then Scotland goes uh, up another level that you win that and you just get yourself into a quarterfinal and be ready on the day so tomorrow is a tester no doubt this is a strong Tongan side I think they'll get loose they'll lose their shape and their focus Ireland have to stay at it and be patient in this game and uh, do the simple things well get their set piece right scrum lineout needs to improve I think and be a better top quality level for next week so fingers crossed that they get that yeah fingers certainly are crossed 
that if we move to this weekend a few other games obviously going on pick out Australia Fiji mm. probably the biggest one outside of the Ireland connection there just of what could happen Australia obviously that good win against Georgia which they needed yeah. and did it well Donaldson playing good game at 15 which is great to see for him but the injuries there it looks like Skelton we're hearing maybe struggling but Tupu as well so they're big forwards we don't know the actual end game with Skelton he may well be fit and good to go but just touching that and how big a blow those two would be or certainly Tupu anyway uh, the uh, front row resources are really, really stretched because Alan Alatar, Michael's brother who plays at Leinster, did his Achilles uh, in in the last game, the last before uh, they left uh, for the World Cup. So he's out. And Australian front row resources are very meagre. The, the Australian bench, you know, I, I don't know much about those players. I looked at them and I saw them initially selected. I thought, wow, I've got to go back and look at these playing for the Western Force and, and down in Melbourne. You, you look at them and go, we don't know a lot about them. And when they've come on, they've, they've struggled. You know, a couple of them came on against New Zealand in the third, um, the, the second Bledisloe there down in Dunedin, and they, they were on the ropes. So that is a problem. Now, against Fiji, that's it's probably less of a problem because they're not renowned for their scrummaging. Now they're still, they scrummage very well against Wales. Their, their, their set play obviously is very good. They did well against England. So they're no longer a weak set play team like the, the uh, Fijians and the Pacific Islanders tend to be because they tend to be play a more running game and don't focus on those set plays as much at, in their upbringing as kids. That's changing. They're all, they're all kicking more, aren't they, Matt? No. They are, mate. And that's, that's, to me, that's an indicator of certain coaches involved yeah. with the teams and seeing okay we can throw the ball all around all we want here but we have to kick we have to be patient so and I, I was I was surprised to see that but I can see where it's coming from that they realize territorially it's it's important for them as well isn't it absolutely Alan. and, that, and, and I, I think, think where Fiji were let down last week was their lineout yeah and they're, they're dropping the ball and turning it over like their ability to do special things and run and pass that's, that's a given you know? yeah but I think it's amazing if you you just love to grab them and say well if we can fix this these couple of pieces here which are very fixable for rugby teams yeah. really switch in when you're going into that line or switch on and make sure you're accurate and the call is in the right area and some win it at the front if you have to yeah. win it at two just win it that, and that's what cost them against Wales they lost crucial line outs Credit to Wales, they, that's the pressure you get at the top level. Yeah. But I think that's stuff that they need to get right against Australia. Which really surprised, and you're exactly right, Alan. It's really surprising because Simon Rao Louis, who is their coach, so Vern Cotter was their coach and left, and Simon has, has come in. Now, Simon's um, uh, per, uh, parents were, were, were Fijian. He was brought up in Sydney, played New South Wales 20s when I was involved with them many years ago. Simon spent a lot of time in France and was assistant coach of the Wallabies in charge of lineouts. And I was watching it. And he pl I played against him. He played for uh, yeah, Newport. Newport. Yeah, someone lovely. Back a lovely guy. Great fella. Big, monster. Big, yeah, monster of a human being. Great fella. And I was thinking the same thing. I was, wow, Simon, you're going to be very angry with those boys because they were mucking it up. You looked at the stats of that Welsh game. And you, it, I, I actually, and this is not a, a, a bold statement, it's a factual statement. I have never seen stats so one-sided towards Fuji. Like, the, the tackle count was like 270. I haven't got them in front of me. 270, like 85 or something. 19 penalties to six. 19 penalties. Wales gave away 19. You know, like, it's just... You're going, this is mad. Yeah, they should have had more yellow cards. Matthew Carley's performance, who I like as a referee, and I was quite surprised. 
he's usually, if that's in the Premiership or an international back here, he's bang, card, out, gone. Absolutely, 100%. You know, three, four penalties in that attacking zone and he, he bottled it and got it wrong. Um, and I think they're f- well right to feel aggrieved by that. And that's the general consensus. Yeah, that's not... picking up there, do you actually think he bottled it? Because that's a big I statement. just think he got it wrong. I think, not bottled it, because I, I genuinely like Matthew Carley yeah. as a referee. I think he's better than that. I just think he... He's a good referee, as He you got say. confused or he just didn't realise the circumstances or got a, a brain freeze or whatever and just continuously penalising the opposition and the card should have been out. Yeah. You know, Fiji got a yellow card for, again, you think, we probably need to see another few penalties for yellow but he was ruthless, gave that one. Wales, if they re- reduce numbers there, it, it's major trouble and I think they knew what they were doing. Um, and look, I knew what I was doing sometimes when I was in that heat <laughs> of the battle. all the time. And you know what? Like, still look, does. It's, still not, does. it's not as if they're going to give away a penalty saying, well, the referee's not going to give me a yellow card here. But you're you're kind of hopeful that you can you, you can get away with it. He got it wrong last week. Everybody knows that. Fiji were outstanding at times. But credit to Wales. When the game is, yeah. what is it, 34-14, is it? Or yeah. 32-14? I can't remember. At that point, I was saying you got to give Wales a, a yep. round of applause there. They managed that very well. They've managed the chaos, you know, going 7-0 up, then they're 14-7 down, and they came back, and they worked their way through the game very well. Did um, you see Bigger at halftime? I, I, I loved Bigger last week. Loads of people talking about, oh, he's giving out to players, and he's shouting and screaming. And I love it. I love that. George North, kick the ball off the field. If he if he if he messes around there and they lose the ball and it's a different game then to to Fiji, you know, I love that fight. You know, Sexton has it, O'Gara had it, um, but he's lucky in the end. Bigger, he didn't get a yellow card when they're at one point when they're defending. But look, in saying that, you know, Fiji in the end had a four on two probably, and they yeah. go for the wide pass, yeah. and Blue there's it. still shots of it put up online yeah. saying. This is where they just need to put it through the hands, but it was an incredible finish, and it was it was you know it was great to see, and um, I think we'll see a real reaction again from them on uh, on on Sunday. It's a test for Australia, a real challenge here because again they'll fancy their chances. Quinny, here's a question for for Fujians. Can like during a World Cup, you have a big win, your emotions go high, you got to get those emotions back down level to play. When you have a big loss, the same. The Fijians gave everything to that game, and they were devastated afterwards. Can they lift themselves up and do it? Because the Australians had their first win under Eddie Jones, and played well. You've got to give them credit; they played they played well. Now it's against Georgia, so let's keep it in perspective. But you know, Georgia had beaten Wales against the second one. Georgia had beaten Italy, so Australia played well. Donaldson, a fullback, I attacked very well and kicked very well. He missed some bad tackles. Now, I know back in Australia, his selection this week is really being questioned uh, because he's never... And it's not a, I've, I've seen Ben go through since he was a kid. He's a really good player. He's at the Waratahs, a really, really good player. But he's been a 10. I've never seen him play anything but 10 since he was 15. So I, 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 it's understandable that you're throwing in an international fullback, you get your positional play out because you've never played there. But that is going to be a big question mark there. The Karevi at inside centre has really made a big difference to this side. The centres in the championship were just horrid. You didn't even know they were on the field. The, the pack is going over. Big kid, Nick Frost. Keep an eye on him. Really a great athlete. 
a young man I had a lot to do with back in Australia. Really pleased to see Nick. He's taken the credit for Nick Frost. Oh, I'll yeah. take every, everyone. I see, no, I'm not taking. He begged him up, yeah. and then he yeah. goes, yeah. "I had a lot to do with him." Yeah. <laughs> well, I coached him. What do you want me to say? That's how I know him. I coached Quinny. I taught him everything he knows. Everything he knows. But but to finish on the Wallabies. They, they are a completely different path to Ireland. What we're saying, they've got to do seven in a row. Like, look at this horrific path. Wallabies don't. Wallabies got to. They beat Fiji, beat Wales. That, that you know, and that's not hard. That's a lot easier than the other side of the pool. They have got a it's great a path to a semi. They have got a great path to a semi. That is half the battle that the, the other side of the pool has. Half the battle. We're not talking about this again because I want to get your opinion on England, Matt. You've scoured them oh for 12 to 15 months. And say what you want, Argentina delivered nothing. But George well, Ford got it done. Yes, their attack, they didn't do anything. But they got the win, Matt. T- total credit to George Ford. Like uh, uh, a virtuoso performance of kicking with skills. He kicked the first one. Uh, I just could I was like, wow, that's a great kick. And then it was like... It was like being transported back in time to when I was a kid. That's how England played when I was a kid. Or, or Yanni De Beers at the 99 World Cup from South Africa. It was just drop goal, drop goal, drop goal, drop goal. We haven't seen that for a long time. you know. And then even we'd have to go back. Not even Ronan and, and Wilkinson at their best were doing it as often as that. It was, it was a superb performance. Let's give England some... I'll come back. It's 80 minutes of my life that I'll never get back. It was horrific to watch. It was, you know, you'd rather go to the dentist... It was it was awful, but England. Sometimes when you're at the bottom, you know champions get up when they can't. When you're at the bottom, you've got to find a way. And to give England their credit, they found a way. They had a tough red card, and they were a man down. And everyone, except those 14 guys on the field and the bench, thought they were gone. And to their credit, they found a way. Now it wasn't pretty. Now <laughs> how unpretty, I. Just haven't got my stat in front of me. It was 46 possessions, hit Ford. He kicked 43. 96% he kicked. So, you know, Lord Lucan and Elvis were in the centres. Who cares? He didn't even look at him. And you've got to say that I thought Argentina would be much better, and they were really poor. Argentina cracked under pressure. They got frustrated, and they gave away dumb penalties, gave away a yellow card of their own, and really didn't fire a shot. And... I was really surprised at that. It was an awful game, but you know, to give England their credit on what they did, they found a way. And some, sometimes, Quinny, I, I mean, I, you know, you know, teams, you've got to take that first step up. So that was, we were, we were joking. We said England can't get any worse, and we were right. They found a way to step forward, and they did. And. Where they build on that from now on, that'll be interesting. They've got Japan. They should. They got, they certainly look on paper. They should. They should be more than uh, uh, capable of putting Japan away. Uh, last one on England. When Farrell does come back in, who would you play at ten, or how does that fit with Ford? Um, it's difficult because I think uh, we probably saw Tuolangi last week. Um, his best game for for England in a while. He, he looked to have a bit of sharpness back in his game. He struggled with injuries, obviously very physical. Um, wonderful player when he's on song and he can he can add something that's that's pretty special when he's when he's when he's in good form. Look fit too, Alan. He, he looks, looks fit, really yeah, good. yeah. And, and look, it's difficult when you're coming back from yeah. all these injuries yeah, and you stop start. Yeah. So he did look fit. He looked um, um, really good. 
if you bring Farrell back in at 12, yeah. I don't think Tuolangi's a 13. Mm. He can play there, but I think he's better at it as a 12 for them. So they could put um, Farrell back in, but uh, you know what? I think George Ford, they have a problem with their attack and um, I think Ford, and that worked really well for him up to the final at the World Cup, didn't it? You know, with Ford at 10, um, Farrell at 12. Farrell can slot in at 12 and do a really good job there and he'll actually maybe help the attack that he's a distributor and can get a bit of width in their passing and stuff like that. So I would put Farrell at 12 and keep George Ford at 10. Okay, lads, we're running out of time. Predictions for a couple of games. Uh, Ireland, Tonga. Ireland. Japan, England. England. And Fiji, Australia. Australia. Uh, probably the same, yeah. I think um, I'd be confident that Ireland can get... Um, Get going tomorrow. It's not going to be easy. Um, I think England will be too strong physically for for Japan. Japan have struggled because, and I think the big fact is, their a lot of their players are not playing in Super Rugby, and it's had an effect on Japan. And um, yeah, I suspect Australia, analysing the game last week, will have a strategy that it's going to be pretty tight this one. Um, and Skelton being, if he's not involved for him, is, is obviously an issue. But it's a, it's a tough one to call that one. But I think, you know, on the balance of probabilities, it, it'll it'll probably be Australia. Well, we shall see. Well, it's been the best part, of course, because you're both in. Hopefully have it next week as well. But thanks for listening, everyone. Don't forget to join us tomorrow afternoon as Chile go head-to-head with Samoa and also Wales take on Portugal. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.